I didn't have time to get some stylish underwear. Wife gave me this on my last birthday. <laughs> I passed away in it. Well, it's against the law to commit suicide around here. Yeah, it's against the law where I come from, too. Well, where do you come from? Heaven. How'd you know my name? Oh, I know all about you. I've watched you grow up from a little boy. What are you, a mind reader or something? <laughs> well, who are you, then? Clarence Oddbody, AS2. Oddbody? AS2, what, what, what's that, AS2? Angel, second class. As have seen, it's a wonderful life. More first service, second service people has not seen it's a wonderful life. We gotta gotta change that. That is a classic, classic Christmas movie. That uh, was Clarence Oddbody, who is an angel uh, who's very prominent in that movie. We have angels very prominent at Christmas time. Uh, we started last week a series called The Spirit of Christmas, and we're taking three different angles on that statement, the spirit of Christmas throughout the series. Next week, we'll finish up the series, uh, and we'll look at kind of the traditional idea. What is the spirit of Christmas, the, the heart of Christmas, the, the, the characteristics of Christmas, right? We'll look at those things. Last week, we saw the Holy Spirit of Christmas, how the Holy Spirit is involved, deeply ingrained in the original Christmas, as well as how he is involved in our Christmases today. Today, we're going to, in part two, look at the angelic spirits of Christmas yesterday afternoon. Yesterday was my birthday, uh, and I am now 41 years old, and so uh, Dwindle's getting text messages, I'm sure, about LASIK eye surgery after his offering talk. Um, those will be encouraging to him as well. Um, I'm getting a little bit older, and yesterday uh, I got to sit on the couch and watch Charlie Brown Christmas with my son. And we watched Charlie Brown Christmas, and it ends famously, right, with the kids gathered around the Charlie Brown Christmas tree, uh, and with them singing, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, right? We sang that song this morning. You may or may not have something on the top of your Christmas tree, but one of the most popular toppers for a Christmas tree is an angel, right? Like, there's angels are so often associated with Christmas. They're certainly associated with Christmas because they appear in the original Christmas story. There are four chapters in the New Testament that tell us about the events surrounding the birth of Jesus, Matthew 1 and 2, as well as Luke 1 and 2. I want to see if anybody has a guess. How many times do you think angels pop up in those four chapters? Any guesses how many angelic visitations we see? What do you guys think? Six, we got a nine. Any other guesses? You guys are very close. Uh, Shane was here first service. He just held up seven fingers. He got it correct, but he got a little bit of an advantage uh, for being here. Seven times in those four short chapters. Well, one of them isn't really, the Luke chapters aren't short. Seven times in those four chapters, we see angels 
show up. In fact, I'm going to run through the list with you quickly uh, just so you can know I'm not just making this up. I'm not just telling you there's seven times. We don't have time to look into each of the biblical texts, but I'll tell you which chapter they're in. You can look them up if you like. So in Luke chapter 1, first of all, we have Gabriel appear to Zechariah. We read this last week, uh, but he appears to Zechariah in the temple and he tells him, hey, even though you are old, even though your wife is old, even though you're beyond childbearing years, God is going to bless you with the son, uh, and he is going to prepare the way for the Messiah. That same angel Gabriel appears again in Luke chapter 1 to Mary, this young girl who's been chosen, obviously very famous appearance, and says, hey, you're going to have a baby boy, but the baby boy you're going to have is not a normal baby boy. He is going to be the son of the Most High. The Holy Spirit is going to come upon you. Uh, Third appearance is actually in a dream in Matthew chapter 1. An angel appears to Joseph and says, Hey, don't be afraid to go forward with your engagement to Mary. She didn't cheat on you. She's not lying to you. She wasn't unfaithful to you. This crazy story that she has told you that God has chosen to impregnate her, that's actually true. That this is the son of God who she is going to give birth to. The fourth appearance of an angel is in Luke chapter 2. Another very famous one. We have one angel who is unnamed who appears to some shepherds out in a field. Uh, And he tells them that there is a baby who has been born who's the Christ, the king. And you need to go to Bethlehem and here's how you're going to find him. And then that angel in that same story uh, is joined by the heavenly host. Who appears and they declare, Luke 2.14, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill to men upon whom his favor rests, right? And so they have the angelic host that appears to the shepherds as well. Uh, Number six, the angel again starts to appear to Joseph in a dream. Joseph has three dreams with angelic visitations. And this time, Matthew chapter two, the angel appears to Joseph and says, you need to go. You need to get out of Dodge right now uh, because Herod is going to try to kill your son. He's going to try to kill Jesus, and you've got to get him out of here. And so Joseph does the thing that every nursing mother loves. He wakes her up in the middle of the night and says, pack your things. we got to go right now. Uh, in the midst of everything else going on, we got to get out of here. Uh, and they flee for Egypt. And then lastly, as they're in Egypt, a couple years later, Herod has passed away. And the angel appears to Joseph again in Matthew 2 in a dream. He says, it's safe for you to go back to Israel. And they return and they settle in Nazareth. So seven different angelic visitations associated with the birth of Jesus. Angels, just like the Holy Spirit, are all over Christmas. There is a reason why we associate angels with the Christmas story. Uh, But what does that have to do with us? What do angels have to do with our lives today? What I want to do today is use this biblical stories about the birth of Jesus as a jumping off point uh, for us to discuss angels. What is their significance to us? What should we know about them? What should we do with them? So I want to share with you today seven biblical truths about angels, seven things that we all need to know uh, that will help us in our understanding and our interaction even with angels. So the first one is this, is that God delivers messages to us through angels. God sends angels to deliver messages. In fact, the word angel in the Greek, which the New Testament is written in, literally means a messenger. The Greek word is angelos, 
And Angelos is a messenger, a sent one, an angel, a messenger from God. And so when we see all of these angelic visitations we just went over, all seven of them, well, six of the seven use the word angelos, the Greek word with the heavenly host does not use the word angelos, but if it were individuals in there, the angelos would refer to them as well. So angels deliver messages. So what message do we need today? See, there's a lot of specific messages in the biblical story that don't really apply to us, right? Uh, the angel isn't going to appear to anyone today and say, hey, you are pregnant with the Son of God. And most of us said, amen, right? We don't want to, it's not a message we want to receive. It's not a message that we would be excited to receive. We're grateful we don't have to bear that responsibility, that burden, or go through that. So that message to Mary was a message to her exclusively. But I believe the message that the heavenly host has for the shepherds, certainly it was to the heavenly host that night, but I believe it transcends them. I believe it's a truth of the universe, of the way that God designed things to work. You'll see it in Luke 2.14. It says, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. See, I think there's a connection, as we already mentioned, between glory to God and peace on earth. Those are not two separate ideas. Those are not two random statements thrown together. They're actually one thought, one idea the angels are trying to express. That when I give God my highest glory, he will give me his deepest peace. That's my encouragement for you. In fact, if you have one thing to take home from this service today, take that home. That when I give God my highest glory, he gives me his deepest peace. I don't know what challenges you face this Christmas season. Maybe it's gifts you still need to buy. Maybe it's an office Christmas party with people who are going to do ungodly things. Maybe it's a relative you have to see that you don't want to see, or maybe it's a relative you can't see that you do want to see, right? There's all kinds of pressure and stress and pain and brokenness that comes with this time of year, my encouragement for you is whatever that looks like in your life, whatever that challenge is in your life, choose to give him your highest glory. How do I give him my highest glory? Well, there's a lot of ways we can do that, right? One is obviously through worship, to lift him up, to sing his praises just as the angels did that day. Dwindle talked about another, right? To be generous this time of year. When we're generous, that gives God glory. He is glorified in my generosity. There are many other ways, obviously, spending time in the Word of God. I told you last week, starting in January, we're going to read through the New Testament in 30 days. So buckle up and be ready for that. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a challenge, uh, but God's going to encourage us through that time. But that doesn't mean we wait till January to get in the Word of God. Man, he's glorified when I spend time in his Word. He's glorified when I spend time with him in prayer. In fact, we're going to talk a little bit more in depth about prayer later on in some of these points when it comes to angels. But when we give him our glory, when we choose, God, I'm going to glorify you above this thing, above this stress, above this pressure, above this frustration, above this pain. I'm choosing to glorify you above it. He chooses to give us peace that doesn't make sense. Peace that surpasses our understanding. So give him your highest glory and he will give you his deepest peace. Angels deliver messages. That was one message they delivered in the Christmas story. The second thing, biblical truth about angels, is that God sends angels to protect us. 
In modern times, this is probably what we most associate with angelic duties. If you're a Christian, at least, you've probably prayed for angelic protection or thanked God for angelic protection. You probably have some concept, even if you're not a Christian, of the idea of a guardian angel, right? Most of us have heard that phrase. Just so you know that phrase, that's actually not biblical. The Bible does not teach us that you have one angel assigned to you from birth who's going to follow you throughout life to protect you. Uh, So I know that may seem like a, a, a great idea. It may seem very comforting, but the Bible doesn't say that. What the Bible actually teaches us is that many times he's going to send multiple angels to protect you, Uh, that there's going to be a team watching over you, not just an individual. We don't know how many angels there are, but there's got to be a lot of them uh, because he says he will command his angels for you. In fact, Psalm 34 puts it this way, says the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him. That, man, you've got an an encampment around you of angelic protection. It says he encamps around them and he delivers them. Then we got verse 8, which we quote all the time, and we never connect to this idea in verse 7. He says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. He says, part of God's goodness to you is I'm sending an angel to watch over you. I'm going to actually encamp around you. I'm going to be there watching out for you through my angels. Psalm 91 is a great passage to quote when when you've got fear, when there's danger. I don't know how many of you had to quote it Friday night as tornadoes hit Mississippi or as the threat of them came. Uh, This is a great passage to turn to if you need to stand and believe God for his protection. And certainly we need to be praying for those in Kentucky and other areas who lost loved ones, who lost homes. We were very fortunate in our area that it didn't get nearly as, as extreme as it could have. But look at what it says in Psalm 91. It says, if you say the Lord is my refuge and you make the most high your dwelling, no harm will overtake you. No disaster will come near your tent. Why? For he will, everybody say he will. He will will command his angels concerning you. The Christmas story, we see all these very significant, very important people, right? Mary. The favored one, chosen to carry the Son of God, Joseph, hand-selected by God to raise his son. We see the shepherd boys, chosen and honored by God to be the first who hear of the birth of the Messiah. We see the magi who, who... have for centuries been handed down this prophecy that there will be a star that appears. And 450 years later, this generation rises up and they actually see the star and they travel across the desert to worship the sun. We see some very privileged people in scripture who were very, very highly honored. But God says, I'll command my angels concerning you. You may seem insignificant. You may feel unloved, unseen, unheard this Christmas season. There may seem like everyone else is recognized and I have been forgotten. But the promise of God's word is that he will command his angels concerning you. You matter to God. He loves you and he wants to protect you. He's going to send his angels for you. He's going to send them to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. He's going to bring protection to you through his angels. That's a great encouragement today. Thirdly, thing we need to know biblically about angels is that angels are around us whether we are aware of it or not, right? We may or may not have an awareness, but that doesn't change 
that they're there. In fact, in the Christmas story, the angel seems to appear out of nowhere. Again and again, it says an angel appeared, an angel appeared, an angel appeared. Well, the angel doesn't just show up on the scene. They're not just like transported Star Trek style and boom, they're there, right? The angel biblically actually teaches us. We'll see it in a minute, but they actually have to travel. There's a physical interaction they have to do to get to a certain place. So they're there and then they appear. What that appearance is is now we're allowed to see them. Now we're allowed to know that they're there. In fact, in Luke chapter 2, a single angel appears and the shepherds are terrified. In fact, we see this theme over and over again. These angels have to keep saying, don't be afraid. Because every time they show up, people freak out. We saw this guy in It's a Wonderful Life who found out there was an angel and he pieced out of the room, right? Like, I'm gone. He was terrified. He was scared. There's something about the supernatural that can be scary. Uh, And so I'm not here to tell you these things today to scare you. I'm here to tell you today to encourage you. But there are angels around us. I believe there's angels around us in this room right now, around this building right now. I believe you had angels watching over your vehicle on the way here, angels in your home watching over you. There are angels right now, even though we may have no awareness of them, no interaction with them, no understanding they're here, they are around. In fact, Hebrews 13.2 puts it this way. Tells us, do not forget to show hospitality to strangers. Side note, this is one thing I think is important. Oftentimes we associate hospitality as like a feminine thing. This is not a command to women. The Bible tells us to be hospitable to believers, to be hospitable to unbelievers, to be hospitable here to strangers. This is not a command for women, and guys get off the hook on this. Guys, we are, we are commanded to be hospitable. We are expected to show hospitality. He says, do not forget to show hospitality to strangers. Why? For by so doing, some people have shown hospitality to angels without even knowing it. That's a cool thought, isn't it? I don't know if you've ever had an experience where you're like, man, that that may have been an angel. Now, understand this. This is not your next door neighbor. This is not that person that you work with. This is not like an ongoing relationship. It says a stranger. So if it's somebody that you know, they're, they're not an angel. They may seem like an angel. Uh, they, they may have some angelic qualities in your life, but that, that's not an angel. But he says, you may entertain a stranger who God chooses to have an angel reveal themselves to you for a period of time. In fact, after first service, I, I spoke with a couple, and they shared with me one of their stories that, uh, of a time where their vehicle was broken down, and out of nowhere, somebody shows up. And tells them exactly what to do, rock the car back and forth, and they looked at him like, you're nuts, that's not going to do anything. But sure enough, they rocked the car back and forth, and it fires right up, and the person was gone. I said, do we know that was an angel? No. We think it probably might have been. Um, I think it's cool to think about. I've had a couple experiences on the side of the road where I wondered if that may have been an angelic person who visited me and, and helped me get out of a jam. I don't know if it was. The reality is the Bible doesn't tell us. God doesn't tell us. So why does he do that? Well, I think there's a couple of reasons. One is, I think, number one, he wants us to show hospitality to anybody, uh, regardless, because if it's not an angel, it's somebody who's made in God's image. So he says, hey, I want you to show hospitality, because it might be an angel, because he wants us just to show hospitality. So he's encouraging us in that. But secondly, sometimes he just wants to do something in our life, and he's going to use an angel to do that, to speak something to us, to say something to us, to give us an opportunity to bless somebody, to be hospitable to somebody. So angels are there whether we're aware of them or not. Number four, God sends angels in response to our prayers. 
Fourth biblical truth you need to be aware of is that your prayers actually impact the spirit realm. The things that you pray, the things that you put before God, you are not speaking out there into air. You are, you are not, prayer is not just a good habit, man, to, to bring me some peace and to calm my soul, although it'll do those things. But prayer is actually going before the throne of the creator, the one who sits on the throne, and he sends out messengers, he sends out angels to deliver on the things that you request. I'll show it to you in scripture, Daniel chapter 10. Now, side note, in Daniel 10, we have what we call a Daniel fast, something we're going to do together as a church in January. Daniel fasts for 21 days. He's seeking God for, for God to move on behalf of his people Israel. If you're not familiar, Israel's in captivity. The Jews have been taken away and, and captured because of their rebellion and their disobedience to God. And Daniel's repenting for his people. He's going before God on behalf of his people. And in Daniel chapter 10, an angel shows up in a vision. Uh, and in the midst of this vision, this angel's communicating to Daniel. He tells him this. says, then he continued, do not be afraid, Daniel. Continued theme, right? Every time these angels show up, they're telling us, don't be afraid. says, do not be afraid, Daniel, since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before God. What's he saying? Since the day you started this fast. Since the day you set aside to sacrifice in your body, to press into the spirit realm. Since the very first day that you did this, your words were heard. God has heard your prayers, right? God has responded to your prayers. In fact, he says, what's God's response? He says, and I have come in response to them. God hears your prayers and he commands angels to travel to do things on your behalf in response to your prayers. That's a pretty amazing thing, right? That's something we need to be aware of as believers, that God actually sends angels on our behalf. So that doesn't just mean we need to pray for traveling mercies, right, and a hedge of protection, those Christianese phrases that we go before. There's nothing wrong with praying for traveling mercies or praying for hedge of protection. I just don't know how those became the things that we pray for, right? The things that we say. But, but man, God's going to command his angels concerning you. It means God's sending angels to watch over my kids as they go to school because he knows what attacks may be coming in their life, right? But what does he do? He does it in response to the prayers of his people. It means I gotta be praying over my kids. I gotta be praying protection over them. I gotta be asking God to watch out for them. And this can apply in a million other directions. But your prayers impact the spirit world, church. Why is the enemy so good at distracting us and keeping us from praying? Because he knows what happens when we pray. Why he's a master at giving us every stupid little distraction. I'm not saying they're all sinful. Most of them aren't. They're just stuff to keep our minds busy and occupied so we're not doing the thing that invades the supernatural. Your prayers impact the spirit world. In fact, here's what we say around here is that it has to happen in the spirit before it happens in the natural. It's got to happen in the spiritual before it happens in the natural. Day one of the fast, Daniel prays and God hears his prayer and responds, but he doesn't see the response until day 21. I fasted now what, I think this will be my 10th year doing the Daniel fast, or no, the 11th year. The first time we did it was 2012. Uh, so we've done the 21-day Daniel fast every year now for, for 11 years. 
gone before God and sought God. And I've seen God do some amazing things. I've seen him teach me some incredible things over that time. But, but I'm just going to go ahead and give you a heads up. Most of the things I've gotten out of a Daniel fast, I didn't get in the midst of the Daniel fast. Uh, it's not like day three, man, harps play and trumpets sound, and here's what God is revealing to me. That would be awesome if it went that way, but usually it's not day three. Usually it's day 21 or later. Uh, in fact, most of the things I've ever gleaned from a Daniel fast, I didn't really glean until sometime after the fast was over. And then it was like, boom, God responded. God opened my eyes. God gave me revelation. Most of the time in the Daniel fast, it's like, how many more days do we have, right? Like, how long is this going to be? Because uh, it's not the funnest thing you're ever going to do, but man, it's so impactful. It's so important. It does so much for us. So our Daniel fast this year starts January the 9th. I told first service January the 10th, so they're going to be a day behind. Uh, we'll, we'll get that fixed. It starts January the 9th, that Sunday at 5 p.m. We're going to seek God for 21 days, finish up on January 30th. Um, we'll start the New Through 30 reading plan on January 9th and carry that into a little bit of February, so 30 days. That way we can seek God together in the New Testament uh, through the fast and then carry it a little bit beyond the fast. Um, but man, your prayers impact the spiritual world. In fact, number five spiritual truth about angels is that angels engage in spiritual warfare for us. God doesn't just send angels on our behalf in response to our prayers, but angels are actually battling for us. Here's the reality. Angels aren't the only thing that's out there. There is also fallen angels, which we would more commonly call demons. What happened was before all of this was created, before all the stuff that we see, God in heaven had an army of angels. In fact, they were kind of split into three units. He had warrior angels, messenger angels, and worship angels, music angels. And each of them had an archangel who, who led them. Uh, and the archangel of music, the archangel of worship's name was Lucifer. And at some point he decided, I'm a bigger deal than God is. I'm more beautiful than God is. I'm a bigger deal. I'm going to overthrow him. And so he led his section of angels in a revolt, in a rebellion, and they lost because we serve a God of victory. God kicked them out of heaven, and for however many years since then, they have been trying to get revenge on God. So we've kind of been created in the midst of this cosmic battle that's going on, and I know that sounds crazy. I know it sounds overly dramatic, but it's the truth of Scripture, and we need to be aware of it. So angels engage in spiritual warfare on our behalf. How do you know that, Pastor Troy? Well, let's go back to Daniel's conversation with the angel in Daniel chapter 10. We just read verse 12 that said that this angel has been sent in response to Daniel's prayers. Why did it take 21 days? Well, he gives us the answer. Verse 13, but the prince of the Persian kingdom, this is a demon, the per prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me for 21 days. Then Michael, one of the chief princes, when the archangel of the warrior angels came to help me because I was detained there with the king of Persia. So there are demonic strongholds over kingdoms, over governments, over places, over individuals. Uh, and this angel ran into a skirmish, a spiritual battle with demonic presence over Persia. Uh, and God had to send Michael on his behalf to free him up so he could make it to Daniel. See, there really is spiritual warfare. 
I don't know if you've experienced it. I don't know if you've been aware of it. There have been a few times in my life where I was very keenly aware of it. Most of my life, I've been very unaware of it. But regardless of our awareness level, it's happening all the time. And I believe our prayers impact that. I believe our prayers bring support and strength for the angels who are warring on our behalf. In fact, if, you've, or if you're a reader, there's a couple of incredible, these are novels, they're not the word of God, but I think they will help you gain a deeper understanding of what's going on. They're, they're entertaining, they're quick reads, even though they're long books, uh, by an author named Frank Peretti. Uh, called This Present Darkness and Piercing the Darkness. I highly recommend them. I've read them multiple times in my life. Um, I think they will, they will empower you with a much deeper understanding of what's going on in the spirit realm around us. Um, but there, there's a fight out there. There's a battle out there. In fact, we've been teaching our kids these realities. And not too long ago, Melody was talking with Alexa, and Alexa was going through something, and, Alexa, and, and Mel was letting her know, you can, you can take authority over Satan. God has given you authority over Satan. And she was teaching her how to rebuke Satan. And so she, she has Lexi pray. And Lexi prays and says, Satan, uh, flee. She, said, like, hey, she was teaching her that, hey, Satan will flee at the name of Jesus. So Lexi prays and says, Satan, you have, in the name of Jesus, you have to flee. And then she paused and she said, please. Uh, <laughs> In the name of Jesus, you have to flee, please. And mom was like, you know what? This is one situation you ain't got to say please, baby girl. Uh, this is one time where you can take that authority and you don't have to say thank you. Uh, you don't have to be polite. Uh, you can take authority over that enemy in your life. But that's the, the faith of a five-year-old. You got to flee, please. Uh, the reality is every believer, because of what Jesus has done for you, has been given authority over the enemy. Take advantage of it. Engage the spiritual battle that's going on around us. The sixth spiritual truth about angels is that angels are not created in God's image. God created angels before all of this physical creation that we see. Uh, and in this physical creation that we see on the sixth day, on the last day of his creation, he created man and woman. And he created them in his image. We are the only thing in all of God's creation, spirit world or physical world, that's been chosen to be marked by the image of God. Uh, angels are allies. We're grateful for them. They, they are on the right side. They work on our behalf. I'm grateful that God created them. But they're separate from us. They are not us. In fact, Hebrews 1.14 says this, Are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation. What's the purpose of an angel? The purpose of an angel is to serve those who are created in God's image. It's to protect us, to minister to us, to work on our behalf. Now you may have seen this other pop culture idea of an angel as the angel that looks just like you who sits on your shoulder and tells you to do good things while a demon who looks just like you sits on your other shoulder and tells you to do bad things. Um, I don't think you've got an angel that looks just like you and I don't think your angel is four inches tall, uh, right? I don't think those things are accurate, but I do think there's probably angels who are talking to you probably encouraging you, reminding you of truths that you've learned from God's word, man, warning you not to go certain places, not to engage in certain things. I think that's probably a very real situation. I also believe there's demons who are talking to you, tempting you, luring you into things, discouraging you, telling you lies about who you are, about your identity, putting you down. I think that those things are real and that those are 
beings are, are at war to speak into our lives because God has created angels as ministering spirits to serve those who will inherit salvation. They're not created in God's image. They're sent to serve those who are. 1 Corinthians 6 says something crazy in verse 3. It says, do you not know that we will judge angels? Nine words, one sentence, and then he moves right on. That's all we got. So what does it mean that we're going to judge angels, Pastor Troy? I don't know. This could be we judge fallen angels. This could be, man, we're, I don't know if we're judging like angelic disputes. Uh, I'm not sure what this means for us to judge angels. All I know is that if God has chosen for people to judge angels, he's chosen that in eternity, we're going to have a higher rank. You know what I'm talking about? He's saying, hey, I, I'm giving you a place that's even above them. Why is that important, that we've got a place that's above angels? Because number seven Angels are not to be worshipped. Angels are good. Man, I'm grateful for them. But, but every 20, 25, 30 years or so, a movement will rise up that just wants to glorify angels. Man, angels, angels are a concept that everybody loves. Right? Oh, there's an angel watching out for me. I've got a guardian angel. I've been touched by an angel, right? Like these are things that just feel comforting, that feel good. I'm not trying to put those things down, but sometimes people are going to use that and grab something that's comforting and glorify that rather than glorifying Jesus. The reality is angels serve the one who made them. They are created things, not the creative one. And we are not called to worship them. In fact, in Revelation chapter 22, John gets a vision of eternity, and he's walking around with an angel who's showing him, here's what heaven is like. Here's what the future is like. Here's what's going to go on. And in the very last chapter of the very last book of the Bible, Revelation 22, John sees or is with his angel, and verse 8 says this. It says, I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. So he's saying, look, I'm an eyewitness to this. I'm not telling you something somebody else told me about. I saw these myself, and when I had heard and seen them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who had been showing them to me. Man, you're greater than me. Thank you for showing this to me. I'm going to give you glory and give you worship. In verse 9, but he said to me, don't do that. It's a smart angel. It's an angel who understood his place. You know, sometimes as people, we got to understand our place. Sometimes as people, God, others will give us glory that only belongs to God. And we got to be ready to cut that off. Man, man, as somebody who serves in ministry, sometimes people are going to be so grateful and they're going to express things to you and it, it's well-meaning. But we've got to be able to say, you know what, that's not for me, that's for Jesus. I'm not the one who saved you. I'm not the one who did that for you. I'm just one that God's allowed to be a part of that process. This angel got it. This angel was wise. He said, don't do that. I am a fellow servant with you. I'm on your side. I'm for you. We're, we're moving in the same direction. And with your fellow prophets and with all who keep the words of this scroll. And then he makes it explicit and he makes it clear. He says, don't worship me. Worship God. Right? So, so. We don't fall into angel worship. Angel worship has been going on for thousands of years. There, there's all the time, there's these little cults, these little things that will pop up. Why? Because the enemy's really good at giving us something to glorify besides Jesus. If he can steal God's glory in any direction, he will, even if he sends it to angels. I mean, that seems like a good direction to send our glory to, right? But if it's not Jesus, it's not right. 
And so we don't give our glory to angels. Why? Because we give God our highest glory. And when I give God my highest glory, he gives me his deepest peace. Amen? As you go through whatever you go through the next 13 days or 20 days or whatever your Christmas season looks like, right? Christmas doesn't usually end on the 25th. Uh, Remember, God has peace for you. He sent Jesus, the king of peace, the prince of peace. He sent him to come to bring you peace. And all the stuff that we've created Christmas to be brings a whole lot of not peace, brings a whole lot of other stuff that steals from that peace. But God's promise is that you'll give him your highest glory. He will give you his deepest peace. We don't give that glory to angels. We do pray. We go before God because we know when we do, that's strengthening the angels who are doing battle and warring on our behalf. I hope you guys are ready for an awesome Christmas season. I believe God's got something great in store for you. Give him your greatest glory. He'll give you his deepest peace. Let's pray.